First, a word from our sponsors. Neuralink, a four-year-old company founded by SpaceX CEO Elon Musk, makes some lofty promises. By developing a chip that may allow us to control a computer with our mind, the team hopes to one day heal debilitating brain conditions and even allow us to rewind human memories, or at least download them into robots. Musk aims to eventually achieve AI symbiosis, which merges the human brain with artificial intelligence, by implanting this chip into a person's brain. All the while, groundbreaking neuroscience innovations are showing us how a computer can already decode the brain and restore human sensation in the process. Through implanting a different kind of computer chip into the brain of a patient who suffered a spinal cord injury, researchers found a way to restore the basic ability to feel. With the power to revolutionize how humans can control their own brain, machine interface technology is not only reimagining what future humans can do, but who they are at their core. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about the future of Neuralink, the medical technology firm working towards revolutionizing the lives of those who suffer from neurological disorders. Hinting at a world of downloadable memory and robot brain surgery, CEO Elon Musk says the technology could be a boon for the treatment of neurodegeneration and motor impairment. Our second story is about a brain decoding computer that can restore an essential sensation, the ability to touch. A huge innovation for spinal cord patients, breakthroughs in the field of brain-computer interfaces could make the devastating loss of sensation reversible. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, with a focus on medical applications, how Neuralink technology could help with neurological conditions, and create a symbiotic relationship between humans and artificial intelligence. I think unless we have some sort of brain-machine interface that can solve brain ailments of all kinds, whether it's an accident or congenital or any kind of brain-related disorder, uh, or, or a spinal disorder, if you know somebody who's broken their neck or broken their spine, we can solve that with a chip. And and this is something that I think most people don't uh, quite understand yet. That was founder Elon Musk at Neuralink's first major press event held in July 2019 in San Francisco. The enthusiasm was palpable as Musk spoke about how human brains can link up with machines. The company described a chip that could enable a patient to control a smartphone or computer with their mind. Here is DJ CEO, Neuralink's Director of Implant Systems, explaining the N1 chip. Our latest chip is called N1 System on Chip, and it is physically small, measuring only 20 millimeter squares or 4 by 5 millimeters. It is low power, highly configurable, and it has 1,024 simultaneous record and stimulation capable channels, and it has on chip spike detection. These probes are far too small to insert by the human hand. So Neuralink has developed a robot that can stitch the probes in through an incision. Matthew McDougall, head neurosurgeon at Neuralink, breaks it down further. Neuralink developed a tool that we're extremely proud of, the robotic inserter. Uh, We developed this robot that can rapidly and precisely insert hundreds 
of individual threads representing thousands of distinct electrodes into the cortex in less than an hour. This tool allows a surgeon to aim between the blood vessels that cover the surface of the brain with micron-scale precision. With Musk teasing what he calls awesome and next-level advancements, let's get more from Inverse's expert on all things Musk. Here's Mike Brown joining us with more. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Hey, not too bad. How are you? Not too bad. So as someone who covers this in depth and at length. We just played a clip where Elon Musk explains how a lot of people just don't understand this yet. How would you describe the progress and vision of Neuralink? You know, just the concept of linking up the human brain with machinery. Um, It's like, how do you even start to explain it? So when we talk about connecting uh, brains to computers, uh, there's really two major approaches to think about. That's uh, invasive and uh, non-invasive. So invasive, uh, which is involving uh, surgery and, as the name suggests, is a bit more involved. Um, That's the approach that uh, we're talking about with Neuralink. So they've developed this chip. It's called the N1. You would have four of them inside a patient's head. And each one measures four millimeters by four millimeters. It's a square. And it has these electrodes. It has 1,024 of them. Each electrode is thinner than a human hair. It rests near a neuron inside the brain to detect the brain activity. So the idea is that this is uh, offering much better data than uh, other methods that maybe involve less electrodes. What they're aiming for with this initial launch is that a patient would be able to uh, control a smartphone um, using their brain. And this would really help people that uh, would otherwise struggle to control a computer. And I mean, when we think about like how uh, you know connected things are in society, I mean, this, this could really offer uh, something incredibly valuable uh, to uh, medical patients that would otherwise struggle with this. In reading up on this, I've heard everything from restoring limbs, eyesight, healing brain issues, from to you know streaming music to your brain. It it really comes down to this chip. So when we hear Elon Musk kind of teasing us with these next level advancements, any inkling into the progress that could come with some of these ideas? Yeah, we've heard uh, a couple of things from Musk, uh, little teasers that uh, um, this is going to be next level. We're going to hear some really uh, incredible advancements. This is, uh, to put it into context, this is the second major event that uh, Neuralink has held. And this will be the third time that we've uh, really got a lot of details on Neuralink. So the first time was uh, back in April 2017. This was a uh, blog post written by uh, Wait But Why, it's the name of the blog. Musk explained, you know, what the long-term vision is. And then in the uh, July 2019 event, that was when uh, we got details about this N1 chip and their plans for clinical trials with patients. One of the things that I would be looking for in uh, this August event coming up is a little bit more about those clinical trials because at the last event, they said that they were aiming for uh, before the end of uh, 2020 on uh, certain patients with quadriplegia. Is that still the case? Who who knows? You know, with the COVID-19 outbreak, that's changed a lot of plans for a lot of companies. It perhaps wouldn't be surprising if there had been some uh, rethinking about that deadline. But as we know about Musk's other deadlines, he is someone that outlines these very ambitious goals. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's impressive how it sort of motivates and brings a project together like this. What I'm interested in is he had recently made a a comment. If you can't beat him, join him. You know, it's said that that means 
possibly that if you can't outsmart AI, you have to join it with a symbiotic relationship. Now, what does that mean? We've heard Musk kind of go there with this stuff before, but this idea of AI enslaving the human race, as Musk tends to put it, what do you gather is is behind that? Can you kind of just um, unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, so Musk's uh, sort of long-term idea is that uh, as artificial intelligence advances and uh, we develop uh you know, something more akin to uh, what's known as artificial general intelligence. Musk claims that this brain-computer link-up will uh, help people keep up with a machine that would otherwise become uh, very bored with humanity. I mean, he's talked before about how uh, speech, I mean, like like we're doing right now, it's a very uh, low uh, density sort of way of sending information. So the idea would be that a machine would, you know, it would kind of advance far ahead with this uh, advanced method of communication and transferring information. So if you had a way of connecting humans to computers, the idea would be that that would uh, develop this symbiotic relationship where uh, humanity could take advantage of uh, you know the best aspects of artificial intelligence and they would sort of grow together. I mean, really, all of this is uh, talking about very sort of long-term vision. And, you know, we could sort of... Uh, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to happen in the next year or two, to be sure. But like in this original uh, April 2017 post, Musk said that, you know, we're probably about eight to 10 years away from uh, something like Neuralink being usable by people with no disability. It's obviously what the uh, the big payoff is, just what we can do medically. But um, I don't know, some of the uh, AI simulation stuff gets a little weird for me. <laughs> but this is all super fascinating stuff. Like I said, a lot of anticipation going into this. So we'll keep listeners ahead of the game at Inverse.com. In the meantime, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you. Now, a word from our sponsors. For people who have suffered spinal cord injuries, and there are approximately 288,000 of them in the United States alone, losing their sense of touch can greatly impact how they interact with the world around them. However, new research in the field of brain-computer interfaces could make this devastating loss of sensation reversible. Up next, how one brain-decoding computer can restore the ability to feel. If all the work we're doing can help anybody get more independence back, it's huge. All the research we're doing at the Talent Ohio State does give me a lot more hope because I can tell there's going to be improvements in science and technology that will be able to make my life easier. That was Ian Burkhardt, a spinal cord injury patient who suffered the loss of feeling and movement in his right arm following a car accident 10 years prior. But a computer chip restored motion to his paralyzed limbs and even restored a sense of touch as well. By implanting this chip into his brain and relaying neural signals to a computer, a team of researchers at the Patel Memorial Institute in Columbus, Ohio, found a way to amplify small, imperceptible touch sensations in him. A study published April 2020 in the journal Cell revealed how researchers tested these ideas in practice. By first collecting neural signals from an implant on the surface of Ian's brain, the computer used algorithms to break down this stream of data into movement and sensory information. 
The computer then relayed the processed data back to Ian through stimulation to forearm electrodes for movement and vibrations on a haptic armband for feelings of touch. Using this system, they managed to restore his sense of touch. And for the researchers, this is only the beginning. Battelle senior research scientist Gaurav Sharma has more from the Battelle Memorial Institute. We are developing technologies that can help us tap into the peripheral nerves of the body to modulate body's response and then use it to diagnose and treat conditions. The other area that we are looking into is sensory motor rehab, uh, more specifically stroke rehab, where we are developing technologies to help paralyzed stroke patients overcome their paralyzed muscles. So how far can we advance with this technology, and how soon could these brain-computer interfaces be used outside of a lab and inside the home? Joining us with more is Inverse's Sarah Wells. Hey, Sarah, welcome back. Hi, good to be here. So this seems like a huge leap ahead. I mean, there were a lot of sensory and motor innovations like these. This is next level. This really seems like one of those breakthroughs that you you don't hear about every day. Yeah. So what's a little bit different here is that instead of maybe using like uh, a robotic limb or stimulating the brain in order to make these signals, um, the researchers are kind of using signals already created in the brain and then returning those as motion and touch sensations back to the actual patient's arm. Can you further explain the actual technology of how this process works, you know, actually using the brain with the computer. Can you help us understand how this this system plays out? So I guess kind of how you would imagine any device being plugged into a computer here, um, the human is kind of the device that is being connected. So the patient in this study um, had a brain implant kind of on the outer layer of their brain. Um, And this implant was receiving these neural like motion and touch signals um, and then translating them to a computer that was you know sitting on a table nearby. Um, and then what the computer did is it had these smart algorithms that kind of detangled the motion from the touch sensations. And then for the these touch sensations, um, because this was a patient who was paralyzed, researchers had previously thought that these sensations were kind of lost. But what was also unique about this study is that they realized they still existed, just they were much, much fainter. So what this algorithm also did is it was able to boost those signals so that they were more easily perceived by the patient. So with these boosted signals, as well as the movement signals, they were then relayed back to the patient um, through either electrodes on their arm, which kind of stimulated movement, or through like a vibration band up on their arm that would give a sense of touch. Right. You know, like you were saying, at one point we thought these um, spinal cord injury patients no longer were generating sensory signals. And it turns out they were just at lower levels. That in and of itself seems like a breakthrough through as well. Are researchers hopeful that with this knowledge, they can break even more ground? You know, where do they go from here? Yeah. So I think what this really enables is them to kind of have, I guess, a more fleshed out kind of environment for these patients. So instead of just stimulating motion alone, they can now really more realistically stimulate touch, which gives kind of more autonomy back to the patient because they have a better sense of how they're actually interacting with the world around them. So needless to say, this would be a life-changing benefit for people who need it. Realistically, how soon is this something attainable? What are the goals for the future and how soon can we see those goals, you know, meeting reality? 
So definitely, yeah. So this study right now was done um, in the lab, but the researchers, they definitely want to begin moving this to become more mobile so that it could be attached to, say, a patient's wheelchair and also so it could be used in the home, um, which is where, you know, it's most necessary. Um, and kind of getting this started already, the researchers from this study have been developing a different kind of, its it looks like a sleeve, um, which would kind of include those electrodes from the study as well as kind of that vibration band all in one, um, which would be a lot easier for the patient to kind of wear and use on their own. And then also going forward, they're kind of looking at improving that algorithm and making it even you know, more fine-tuned, and then also looking at some security and privacy issues uh, with such important data from the brain to the computer. Listeners can head to inverse.com. There's video that helps break it all down. It's really um, something you should see as well. In the meantime, Sarah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Head to inverse.com to read about the latest breakthroughs in brain-machine interface technology. You can find the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at Inverse.com. Got something to say? Email us at theabstract at inverse.com with any questions, suggestions, story ideas, and anything else on your mind. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening. <laughs>